0: Good evening, Baruch Hashem, I have the chance to come here again after the first lecture we we made here was very successful, online also, and Baruch Hashem, uh, the request is that I will speak here once a month, so Hashem will try to keep it once a month to give a lecture here in Raslin, uh, uh, we're going to speak. <laughs> we're going to speak today about uh, building ourselves in Torah and shamaim, in a proper way, and uh, the effect of it on our life. But I'm sure that everybody wants me to start with speaking about the situation, as you know. Our nation uh, is going through major struggle in the last two three months. And uh, there's not a day without problems, really, in reality. I don't think we can find one day in calendar from the day we got the Torah that we can say that that day was completely perfect and clean and no suffering and nothing bad happened. Even on the grand opening of the Mishkan, the big happiness that they had got mixed with the death of Aaron's son, Nadav and Avihu. We are already experienced with punches that we keep getting from our Father in Heaven. It's like they say in America, love patch. But sometimes when you hit a little kid, love patch, he doesn't understand it's a love patch, he begins to cry. So we get a lot of those laugh patches and uh, it put us in a bad mood. A lot of us are in crisis. Some people have crisis in the remuna. I speak to people, so I see more or less what's happening. As the big tragedy that happened in Meron, I spoke a whole lecture just about it. And now there was another one, Erev Shavuot. Thousand people in the shul, Hasidim in Givat Ze'ev, it's right by the border of Yerushalayim, right across the street from Ramot, it's a private neighborhood, beautiful place. There's different synagogues, Faradim, Hasidim, Litaim, all kinds of different synagogues. They come to celebrate Matan Torah, they play music because it was before sunset. Maase Satan, the seats were not connected well, and uh, it collapsed. 160 people got injured and two died. That's after 45 people died two weeks earlier in Meron. And right followed by a horrible week that we have with the Arabs. Riots all over Israel. Life became an hour. Your own neighbors in a building. Imagine you live in a building And you know, there are neighbors over there, any second they can come and stick a knife to your heart. It's not easy. Until now, we thought the Arab threat is there. Yeah, they shoot rockets. We don't have to see them face to face, most of Israel. Now, as you can see, it's a different uh, game now. It's everywhere. It's in a grocery. It's on the streets. It's on the road walking in the streets of, Te- of Akko, Haifa, Yafo Bat Yam uh, you know they attack people in Jerusalem. every place there's Arabs Ramleh, Lud. there's complete anarchy the Israeli police unfortunately is totally worthless totally worthless if the police in New York is worthless, it's because of the mayor, because of the governor, because of these liberal lefties who chop their wings off. They don't let them fly. Not that they don't have the ability. The police here has the ability, but you know, with what's happening, they're afraid. In Israel, they don't have the ability. I was wondering to myself, in Lod, there's thousands, many thousands of Arabs live in Lod. They are there already seven years since Israel became a state, and they're only growing. So everywhere you go, you have their, have, they have their businesses, they have nice cars, they do very well. I was wondering to myself, why the reaction of the Israeli police was to come and attack all the Jews and leave the Arab alone, while they shooting at the Jews in the street. They gathered all the weapons from the Jews, they did not take one gun from the Arabs even though the Arabs have guns, which is totally illegal. They don't have permit for that. All the Jews have permit. Jews usually don't hold a gun unless they have a permit. But these Arabs don't care about the law. They know everyone is afraid of them. They do whatever they want. So the, the first reaction of the Israeli police was to go and attack the Jews, arrest Jews, 160 Jews. They put them in jail, took away their guns, I was wondering to myself, since when the victim is the criminal? In a Jewish state, in America, I would not be surprised. Two Israelis walk in Manhattan, 500 Arabs attacked them. But they were Golani fighters, so they were giving them punches back. 500 Arabs attacked them yesterday. The police arrested the Israeli guy. 500 mobs coming beating in up with the fal- palestinian flag who did they arrest the israeli guy who fighting for his life in new york we're not surprised in europe there's totally no surprise we know what they think about us but in israel israeli police israeli guys I was really in a big, big question in my mind. The next day, Hashem brought me the answer. One of my ballet, Shuvah, used to be a cop in Lud, in that station that was attacked. And he explained to me why. He told me the Arabs buy all the cops, they give them tons of money for their drug deals, selling stolen cars, stolen parts. All the police is in their pocket, just like in Mexico. The cartel owns the police. They tell them what to do, what not to do. The police cooperate with them. Tell them, be careful. They, they know about you here. They know about you there. They pay them. They buy them off. That's a policeman that used to be in that station told me. Our own brothers and sisters selling us for money. This is what's going on now in Israel. You don't know who to trust anymore don't know who to trust in the government you have traders who do everything they can to help them politically everywhere you go you are know, over here in google the jews of google decided to take sanctions against israel the jews of google the goyim of google didn't say anything the jews of google bernie sanders the biggest enemy of israel a jew supposedly a jew that's what the torah told us in the end, yes, the Arabs hate you, yes, the Nazis hate you, yes, there's anti-Semitism. But remember, the main damage will always come from among you, from traders. That's why it's always the case. <laughs> Unfortunately. So we had a lot of suffering, mentally, physically, a lot of suffering. But... I did not come to depress you here tonight, on the contrary, I'm going to make you a little bit feel better in the next half an hour. That everything you see right now, it's actually very good. Not good, very good. Very disturbing, very sad, very depressing, yes, but very good. What is it like? What is it like? And a person just found out, lo alenu, God forbid, not on us, that he has serious cancer. But the doctor that just told him that, told him, don't worry. My father is the number one specialist for your problem. And not only that, we have now new equipment that we never had before that cure 99% of this problem. So, you'll be good. So you have mixed feelings. In one hand, you feel horrible, you just found out that you're sick. On the other hand, your solution just came before you even blink. Like Hashem said, Before you even call my name, I will be at your service. Just when you have something, immediately I run. We say it every morning when we pray in Baruch Sha'amar, Baruch gozer, umkayem. Before Hashem brings the Gzerah, He gives already the solution to become available. There is a decree, the solution is right there. All of a sudden, someone will come, and someone will give you a telephone number, and things will start rolling. Just have to open your eyes and count on Hashem, and see that nothing is coincidence the suffering that we have before I'm going to give you the prophecy Baruch Hashem the suffering that we have is actually the the greatest gift and the most productive gift that Hashem could have given us it's true that if you ask a person before he gets the suffering if he's interested to get the suffering I don't think one person would say yes unless he's he's, a uh, masochist. there are some people who love to, to torture themselves, yes. But that's a mental issue already. Even Chazal, our sages that had the highest level of emunah that you can imagine, there's no question in emunah by them. They say on the Yisurim, on the suffering, We rather not to get them and not the huge reward that come with them. So if they already say that th- we, the ordinary people, 2,000 years later, are obviously not calling for Hashem to send us any suffering. But what can we do that He send it even without us asking for it? The question is, how do we handle it? So first of all, we should know that when it comes to suffering, we have a pursuit, a verse, that we we say in Tehillim, "Tsara veYagon emtzah," and "veShem Hashem ekra." Tsara means trouble, Yagon means agony. It even comes from the Shona Hakodesh, Yagon, agony, similar, right? And I will scream in the name of Hashem. I call Hashem. Tsara veYagon Em emtza. emtzah is I will find what's going on here. This is a divine language. It's the Tanakh. Do you know anyone who runs on the street to look for trouble? What are you doing? I'm looking for suffering. Where will I find it today? People look for money. People look to make scenes. People look for all kinds of things to give them pleasure. For that, they look around. Where? Where can I find? Right? But... I don't know anybody who runs to to look for suffering. But David HaMelech Reitzir, Beruach Hakodesh, I finally got lucky. That's what it means. Finally, I found the trouble today. So far, the day was quiet. Baruch Hashem, I found the problem. Baruch Hashem, I found agony. So what am I doing now? I'm screaming and crying to Hashem to help me out. It's a contradiction. Make up your mind. Is this a bargain? You found it? Found found means good news. You find something good. And then you run to Hashem to cry to save you from that? That's the whole purpose of the suffering. Don't be a fool. A father has two ways to give his son money. One, as much as he wants here. Take the credit card. Do whatever you want. Or, every time you need money, you have to come see me, give me a hug, a kiss, cry a little bit, beg a little bit, and I'll give it to you anyway. A smart father who wants connection with his son, will he give him a credit card unlimited? He's a billionaire, whatever. He doesn't care, he doesn't check the bills. Whatever you need, buy. That's a stupid father. It's not, we're not talking financial issues here now. Even if you have $500 billion, and whatever the son will spend is not gonna tickle him even but that's not about the money here most fathers check because they worry about the money not everyone is a billionaire, fine but even the richest guy in the world no matter how much the kid will spend it's not gonna reach nothing that's not the point about the money here, the point is about the connection when People remember their father that can save them and take them out of their misery. When he makes them, when he makes them miserable, then they remember that the only one who can help me is who is Hashem. One time I say to a guy that donates money to me every month, but he always forgets. And it's embarrassing to remind people, you know, to donate. The problem is that he's donating to my kollel, and it's not my money. If I don't remind him, that the guys will be hungry for food. So guys who learn and they get the little they get, they barely use for food. So there's no time to be late for them. So I say to him, why don't you make it automatic? Like Orat Keva. So he asked, he told me, yes, but then I will not have the merit to speak to you once a month. Baruch Hashem, at least now when I forget, immediately you remind me the next day. But I always get to ask you questions, to talk to you. you busy guy, where will I find you? You understand? So what happened? The connection between you and someone you love is more very important. So if the only way to make you come to your father is by giving you a punch here and there, let it be. That's what David Amir said. I'm not complaining. It's a bargain. Agony, problems. Wow. What will I do? Hashem. Ana Hashem I'm in your end. I'm in your end again. That connection will bring you endless reward in the next world the connection that you have with Hashem there are few ways to reach connection with Hashem if you're smart you put all your life into Torah you learn, 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 learn non-stop, and any hour you have, you learn in the business, in the store, while you're driving you listen to CDs, we brought you free CDs here on both sides Take advantage, put them in, each one is 30 hours of lectures in many different topics. We also have USBs, you also have my app, my new app, Rabbi Yosef Mizrahi, it's blue with the, with the star David in it, fantastic app. So what, what excuse you have? You have a way to be connected to Torah all day. Some women, they learn more Torah than the Bachorei shiva thanks to this app. They're always in the kitchen, they have a large family, they cook, they do things, they're in a the car. Everywhere they go, they're connected with the app, non-stop. In the house, they have this speaker, Wi-Fi connected, they listen to lectures, while they cook, whatever they do. Then they get in a car, same thing. They in the Wi-Fi in a car. All day, then when they go to sleep, again, another hour or two until they fall asleep, basically they learn more Torah than Bachurei shiva. In the old generation, a woman did not have a chance to learn to write at all. Where would she learn? Remember, there were no books. Books today, it's free, you get 20, 30 dollars, you buy a book. It's all printed ready. In the old generations, people did not have books. To write a book, you needed a feather. You dip it in ink to write a book. Only the rabbi in town had books. Anyone else did not have books. So today, Baruch Hashem, you go to the store, you buy a whole set, no problem. Ship it to your house. So some women read books. But most women don't have patience to start learning books. What do they do? to do? So Hashem had uh, designed the world today that it can be connected to Torah basically non-stop. The problem is that we, with our stupidity or foolishness, we choose nonsense over his Torah. And that's a big problem. Torah, the grammar says, "Oy, ME ELBONA SHEL TORAH. OI. To my children, to the people. Briot means those who were created. People that were created. Briot. How horrible is to the people that they are insulting my Torah. You come to a religious uh, Jew, especially Persian. Persian Jew that love Torah, love Hashem. 500 times a week he kisses mezuzah. Every day he speaks to Hashem. He enjoys to come to the kenisaah. What is he? Insulting the Torah? Okay, so he's not learning enough Torah. Fine, but insulting the Torah? You ask him, hey, Moshe, why only come one hour a day? Baruch Hashem, you're very clever. Come three hours a day. Come at night also. Hey, Rabbi, I have headache, my business, the excuses from here to the end of the world. But you come to this Moshe and tell him, hit the Torah like this. I don't want to say speed, because there's no chance he will do it, but <laughs> hit the Torah like this with your hand. No, Rabbi, I'm not doing this. i give you $500, hit the Torah. No, no, 5000 Smack the Torah like this. I'm not doing it. Even if he's behind on his mortgage. <laughs> I don't think we'll find one over here tonight, or those who listen at home, that will agree for $5,000 to smack the Torah like this. So we're not insulting the Torah. but 2000 years ago the Chachamim said that almost all of us insulting the Torah. To insult the Torah doesn't mean Chaz Shalom to step on it, or to spit on it, or to hit it, or to smack it. No. It's to ignore it. Not to, not to be anxious to know what's in it. It's the most important treasure of Hashem to the Jewish nation, the biggest gift He ever gave us. The biggest, even, it comes even before Eretz Israel. The Torah is more important than the Holy Land. The Holy Land is very important. No question about it. Eretz asher ene ha'shem ha'ba ha'shana ha'shana. But, even though in Shulchan Aruch it says that you're not allowed to leave Eretz Israel unless you have three excuses that are permitted. Such as if they're offering you a woman and you don't find a Shiduch in Israel and you have, I don't know, your cousin and the family wants you to go date her, maybe you get married, you're allowed to leave Israel for the sake of Shiduch. Or if you, or if, uh, you have a Jew that is captured by the Goim, they kidnapped him in, in some jail and you have a way to come and give them some money, bribe the Goim to release him from prison, you're allowed to leave Israel to save him. And the third reason is if you can learn Torah in a higher quality than Israel, meaning in your days, the Torah out of Israel is in a higher level than the Torah in Israel, and you cannot find the same level in Israel, if you find it in Israel, you have no permission to go overseas. If you have it around Yerushalayim or anywhere in Israel, what's the justification you have to go to overseas? No. But if there is no way to learn in such level unless you go to America or Europe somewhere then you have permission. What do we see from here? That even to learn Torah in a higher quality comes before living in a Holy Land. That's how important the Torah is. So there's another fourth reason, not everyone agree with that, yesh um, to sell his merchandise. Let's say you have diamonds or rubies And right now, no one in Israel can afford to buy them. No one, we're stuck with that. Basically, if you're not going to leave Israel, you'll never be able to sell it. So they say, oh, you want to go to Dubai and sell it and come back? No problem, you go, you find one of these rich sheikhs, sell him the diamonds and come right back. Not everybody agree with that. Some of the Chachamim say, no, that's not the reason. So he's stuck, so you lost $10 million. So So the diamond will stay in your shoebox. For another 20 years until finally somebody in Israel will buy it. Now, everybody agree, you allowed. But even if you go on a linear opinion, that's only the four reasons you're allowed to leave Israel. But when it comes to the Torah, the Torah comes before Eretz Israel. You should know that. Also, Shabbat comes before Eretz Israel. Shabbat comes before Eretz Israel. The three Kedushot Kedushotah Torah, Kedushotah Shabbat. And Kedushat HaChayim, all three of them comes before Eretz Israel. If you have to die in order for you to live in Israel, you don't have permission to die. Right? But I'm going to lose the land. Lose the land, don't lose your life. Life comes before. Then, uh, if they tell you you live in Eretz Israel but you don't learn Torah at all, or you live in America and you learn Torah all day, right? You must go to live in America and learn Torah all day. There's no permission to be mevatel Torah. Be told Torah can get kulam? So, you have, so here you go. So you see the value of the Torah. By the way, which kedusha is higher from all three? You know, you have kedushat haChaim, kedushat haShabbat, and kedushat Eretz Israel. Which one is the highest? Those who say Chaim, I know why they say Chaim. Because nefesh Shabbat. if you have a life freak on Shabbat, you're allowed to break Shabbat to save someone's life. So you see, life is above Shabbat, right? Wrong. Wrong. Kedushat Shabbat is higher than Kedushat Achaim. You should know that. So why are you allowed to break Shabbat to save life? The <laughs> Gemara Break Shabbat to save his life once, that he should keep many Shabbatot to come. So you broke Shabbat once, but then he kept 2,000 Shabbatot. So one Shabbat against 2,000, it's a good investment. That's why I'm giving you permission to break Shabbat just to save his life. And also women have to give birth. If you're not going to be able to break Shabbat to give a woman, uh, to take a woman to the hospital to give birth, no women will become pregnant. All women would say, I'm sorry, I'm not taking that risk. Well, do you want me to die? I'm going to die just because you cannot take me to the hospital on Shabbat. That will be the end of Ram Israel. It's like Shabbat who had to give special permission to break Shabbat to save life or to give birth. But other than that, there's no permission to break Shabbat even for two trillion dollars. I explained it to, the, to you when I was here last time, if you remember, for those of you who were here, that if you have a worth a billion or a trillion dollars, and it's about chas Shalom to go on fire, and all you have to do is to put the fire off before you lose two billion dollars, there's no permission to break Shabbat. No permission. Permission to save life, yes. But if it's only money, no permission. That's the importance of the eternal covenant between us and Hashem, which is Shabbat. But today we didn't come to speak about Shabbat. Today we are speaking about Torah. Oi labriyot me'elbona shel Torah. Oi to the public for insulting my Torah. What does it mean to insult the Torah? You drive in a car, you have a CD of a good rabbi, and instead of putting it in, you're listening to the baseball game. And John hit the ball, and he said the crowd is going crazy. And one day you stand in front of Hashem, and you will kill yourself from the shame. I'm not talking about the punishment now. I'm talking about the shame. And Hashem will say, you had Torah classes next to you, click a button, and you have now a whole hour of Torah. And that's what you burn your life on. On news, 10, 10 news. Every 10 minutes, a I repeat. I, I, I never understood if it's a recording Or they're repeating word by word the same thing. I don't know, I never saw one word different. So why in the world people need to listen to it 50 times a day every 10 minutes? Well, you're normal. When it comes to Torah, you tell a person, repeat the Gemara. (laughs) No, I don't do Chazara. I want to learn something new. No, but you need at least four times to do Chazara to understand the page. No, 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 i rather do more Qiyus, (laughs) kios. That's what people say. But to repeat 10 news or to watch the same game ten times the same goal? There's no problem. Why would he watch the goal twenty times but he doesn't want to watch Rashi even two times? Because to learn Rashi there's Yetzerra. To watch the goal, there is Yetzerara who helped you to watch it. Watch it again. It was nice. Watch it again. Watch it again. Depend on a god. If it's a good thing, the Yetzirah will make sure you won't do it. If it's a bad thing, it won't leave you alone until you do it. I'll give you an example. If I give you now a free mansion, right here by the water in Great Neck, and I say to you, 59 rooms are yours. This room, you see, it locks with three lacks. You do not have permission to enter that room ever. Soon as I left, what's the first thing on your mind? How do I break this lock? How do I come? Maybe I go from the window. Maybe I go from the roof. That's all you care about. You don't even, you're not even interested in the 59 rooms. So go go check the house. This all I want. Why? Yetzirah. Curiosity? It's Yetzirah. Curiosity, it's Yetzirah, with one exception to the rule. If you're curious to know what the Torah says, then it's Yetzirah But somehow, almost nobody is curious to know what the Torah says. If people would be curious, they would sit all day and learn Torah, because every minute you find something new. Curiosity will only get you more and more. But the Yetzirah makes sure to make you numb when it comes to creating yourself a beautiful Olama next world to come, the satan is a genius of always, always fooling you and always make you make the wrong decision. So what do we do? We have to learn how to fight the satan. When you come to the war against the satan, you have to be just as clever as him if you come not ready to the war you have no chance against him He will fool you you have to learn the principles i give you an example if you come to leave the house in the morning to go to yeshiva and learn for 10 hours a day and your neighbor she just screamed moshe my husband is not home and i need to go to the hospital to give birth can you drive me to the hospital? What would you answer? Uber. Huh? Most people would say, Of course, Sarah. Baruch Hashem, i I was just about to leave. Come, let me get the car. You okay? You need help to go downstairs? Where is your bag? What did Sadiq? He takes her to the hospital. He carries the bag. He waits outside. Right to me. Why are you here? I want to make sure she gave birth. Baruch Hashem is better than her husband. <laughs> After all that, he made one or two mitzvot. How much he lost? 240,000 mitzvot. To earn two mitzvot. That's a smart guy? No. That's an ignorant. I don't want to say stupid because he does not have a way to know. How would he know if he learned Torah? He would know. Now one hour of Torah, it's 60,000 mitzvot. When you learn Torah, you become a billionaire spiritually. What's better, to be a billionaire in this world, which is a blink of the eye and it's gone, or a billionaire for the life of eternity that this pleasure will never wear off? Here, there's a big risk of becoming too rich. It's not so perfect, why? The more rich you become, the more you suffer when you leave the world. Right now you enjoy convenience, you buy, you don't care, credit card, easy, you pay, you write checks, you don't worry, you don't have this stress that most people have. But, when you leave the world with zero balance in your accounts, Oh, when you have 50 million or 100 or 500 millions in your account when you leave the world which one of the two is suffering a lot more when he finds out that his that his uh, neshama came out of the body which which person is going to suffer a lot more person who left nothing here his accounts are empty Or a person who has business and buildings and all kinds of things. First thing in his mind is what? Wow! I didn't organize everything. I have to give it to my children. I have to write a will. I have to divide it. I have to sell some. I'm in the middle of a real estate deal. He has no rest. Until he comes to the court of heaven. And then he finds out and he has a much bigger problem to worry about. In a second, he will forget the 50 or 100 million dollars. So that'll be the last thing on his mind once he's in a bad Because that's when he's going to find out that the first question in a bad is, האם כבא la Torah." First question. We're checking your daily schedule. Did you make the Torah a priority or the Torah was just a neglected hobby? And once in a while, I'm opening a, a book. Did the Torah was the main thing in your life or not? The Gemara, when the Chazal tell you something, it's not just a recommendation. It's a matter of life and death. When the Gemara say to you, Gadol, Talmud Torah, yoter, mehatzalat nefashot. If you're a great doctor, every day you save 10-20 people from physical death. You don't even come to one thousandth of a percent from a Bachur Yeshiva. That's what the Gemara say, not me. That's what Hashem say. Talmud Torah is bigger than Hatzalat Nefashot. You're saving people from death. You're an Hatzalat driver. One call, another call. You bring them to the hospital. Thanks to you, their life is safe. You're going to get a big reward for it. But if you could have sat and learned Torah, your reward would be a million times more. Why? Because the problem with you now is you don't understand the value of my Torah. That's why you're raising a question. What? I save ten people from death every day, and you're telling me that this Bakuri Shiva sits in a Gemara all day and his in his reward is greater than me. Not just greater than you, greater than you multiply by a million. That's what it is. They ask the Chazonish, It's written that the greatest thing is to be mezaki Arabi. In the next world, there is a section in heaven for people that influence other Jews to do tshuva. Someone was not Shomer Shabbat, thanks to your efforts, he became Shomer Shabbat. Someone did not put fill in, thanks to your efforts, he made you put fill in. A woman was not dressed modestly, thanks to your efforts, Baruch Hashem, she dressed modestly. A couple did not keep tarat mishpacha, a woman was not going to the mikveh for years, Baruch Hashem, you gave few good shiurim in your synagogue, now she understood how horrible it is to live without mikveh. Baruch Hashem, they keep mikveh. Few kids were born in a pure way after the mikveh. It's all your merit. So, a multiply two millions. after many years, the more people you make them Baalei Tshuva, the more people you make them Baalei Tshuva, the more mitzvot goes every day to your account. And you will get rewarded for them for eternity in the next world, which is eternal. So it's a fantastic investment. So they asked the Chazonish, so maybe we should close the Gemara for two, three hours a day and we go every night to the secular people of Israel and give them lectures over there. Maybe we'll make a few Baalei Chuva every week, two here, three there. The Chazonish say, logically that would be the right thing to do, but you don't have to. Why? Because the people who speak to the public and convince them to become religious will not succeed making one Baal without the Yeshivot. The only reason that they are successful is because of the blessing of the Torah to the Jewish nation. Not only that, when the Chazonish was alive, the Chazonish said to the people to learn a lot about to learn a lot about Shemitah. Now we're coming to a Shnat Shemitah, starting soon. Every seven years, we have a year, you don't plant anything, you don't cut, you don't work on the field, you know? So, even from the Rabbanan, you're not allowed to sell, to sell uh, perot Shemitah, you leave it for the poor, Efker, the poor come, they take it. The Chazonis say, I want everyone now, the year before Shemitah, everybody to learn about Shemitah now. So some students say to him, Rabbi, we're not farmers. Why do we care about Shemitah, Shviit? Let the farmers learn about it. It applies to them. This guy's a doctor. This guy's a driver. Why do you care about Shviit? There's so many interesting topics in the Torah. I have to learn about uh, the rules of fruits and vegetables and how and when and with the goyim and beddin and otzar beddin. Why do I care about this thing? Chazonis said to them "You don't understand. No farmers will join the mitzvah of keeping Shemitah unless there will be a lot of Torah about this subject. Learn Shemitah and you will see the next time it will be a lot more than the last Shemitah. Do you know how many times more Shemitah people did in a second time, than the first time? 20 times more. Against, against nature, against logic. Do you know how difficult it is, to, it is to take a secular farmer and to convince him to shut his farm for one year? No income, not to touch the field. That's one of the mitzvot that requires the highest level of emunah. The highest level of emunah, when Hashem saying, if 60, I'm going to give you double, enough, don't worry, you will have what to eat, you have to count on me. And if you're not religious, to begin with, you don't have so much emuna. Because someone who's mechalel Shabbat, how can he claim I have emunah in Hashem? It's a lie. If you had emunah in Hashem, you wouldn't commit the biggest crime in a Torah for a few dollars. You wouldn't do it because you would count on Hashem to give it to you without being uh, mechallel Shabbat. So don't tell us stories that you have emuna. Maybe you're dreaming that you have emuna. You understand? I once told it to a Bukharian barber. I asked him how much you make on Shabbat. He works on Shabbat, a hundred, a hundred fifty dollars. After I explained to him about Shabbat, how much he loses. Immediately it became a joke that he goes go stand there for eight hours a day on his, his feet and his knees and break his back to make $150 when he loses trillions at the same time for being a Khaled He got the point. problem is most people make scenes either out of ignorance or, so, or too out of lack of emuna. Their emuna is weak. If you don't learn about emuna every day, you become weak. You become weak spiritually. Even if you learn in Bet Yaakov. Even if you learn in Ponovich, even if you learn in the best yeshivot in the world, two, or three weeks you're not connected to Emunah. Your Emunah goes from 80% to 20%. 20%. Next thing someone gave you a check that bounce, you want to kill him. Two weeks ago, you wouldn't bother you, Biklal. Thank you, Amelti. Two weeks later, you're, you're ready to kill him. Where is he? Where is he? I'm looking for him all day. Emunah, it's like muscles. If you want your muscles to constantly be strong, and, uh, and to act properly, you have to work out every day. If you stop, it all becomes mushy like water, become worse than what it was before. Once you start working out in the gym, it's for life. You can't stop in the middle. Same thing emuna. You can learn Emunah ten years, you already reach the level of Chazonish in emuna, And then one month you stop, and you go down to almost zero. It's not something that stays. It's not math. Once you learn how to do math, you will always remember it. Six times seven. You know already. That's it, you don't need to repeat it every week. Many of the subjects you learn in the Torah, once you know it, you know it, that's it. Once in a while you have to repeat it, that's it. Emunah is different. Every day is a challenge because the Satan is constantly busy creating doubts in your mind, to bring you down in your emuna, in your confidence in Hashem. By doing that, it destroys you for eternity. Because then you don't have the strength to keep mitzvot, and you start cheating in a business, and you start stealing, and then you talk Lashon about your competition, and all kinds of other things come as results of lack of emuna. One of the things we have is a lack of unity. A lot of the problems that come to us is because of lack of unity we divided to many different groups everybody fights against the other and hashem say oh you know what all my children killing each other with their mouth and behaving let me unite them mustafa ahmed saeed wake up begin shoot four thousand rockets all of a sudden Itzik and yossi and avi are brothers again y- yossi we have a good uh, shelter here. Come, bring the children, come over. a uh, week ago you wanted to kill him with your Lashonara. Mustafa makes you unity. Even Bibi Netanyahu gave a speech like this a week ago. you remember or no? You watched it on WhatsApp? Yes, yes. Thank you, dear Hamas, for making us united like never before. <laughs> Even Mechalel Shabbat like Bibi. <laughs> you understand that, it's not religious. But he got the point. The Jewish people, they have one problem, unfortunately. I wish it wasn't the case. They know very well how to die together, but they don't know how to live together. (laughs) Unfortunately. It's time we learn how to live with each other, white, black, Persian, Bukhari, Kafkazi, Polish, Russian. Don't be stupid. It's all people from the same family. One father got married, where? In Israel. A year later they had a kid, let's call him Avram. Avram was born in Israel, age four, he speaks with Hebrew accent. He went to kindergarten, he learned Hebrew. Four years later, Avram went to Iran on a mission. He had a second son, He was born in Iran, he sent him to Iranian kindergarten. Four years later, he speak Farsi. Then he had to go to Russia. Four years later, he had already a kid, Alex, speak Russian. Every four years, he moved to a different country, and at the same time, you have one child who grows up in a new country. After 40 years, you have 10 kids. Each one is totally different than the other. One speak with Hebrew accent, one Farsi, one Russian, one uh, Iraqi. Now, Imagine now they're going to all hate each other and discriminate each other because they have different accent, Or one loves gefilte fish and the other one loves (laughs) gondi. How will the father feel? What do you think? Huh? Disaster. That's the story of the Jewish nation. Some went to Russia, some went to Iran, some went to Iraq, Syria. And now they, they were influenced by the culture of the place. And now they united together again, family gathering in Israel, and all of a sudden, the ugly part came out. So what does Hashem do? <laughs> 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 Moshe, I called to make sure you're okay. Wow, Itzik, you forgave me? Of course, what? What happened? Ahmed made peace between two brothers. <laughs> Right or wrong? That's what's going on. So I. next time Chaz V'Shalom, when suffering comes, make sure, first thing, never to complain. Meaning it's מצiyah. Something, a lost object that you find, a diamond ring you found on the street, in Fifth Avenue, wow. It's mine. hundred thousand dollars bargain you just got. You're very happy, right? That's what David HaMelech called the Isurim. uveshem Hashem Then the Torah in Dvarim Lamed. Deuteronomy 30. That's what the Torah writes. V'haya. Every time the chapter in the Torah starts with the word Vehaya. It's a language of happiness. Ve'aya, ve'aya, ki alecha kol When all these things will come on you, debracha ve'aklala. How can it be? Bracha. It's ve'aya. Klala should not be v'aya Separate. You want to talk about the blessing Say ve'aya. Now you go to the next chapter. You want to speak about the curses and the punishment? Change the language. Why you use Ve'aya for the blessing and for the punishments at the same time? I just answer you. What makes a person close to Hashem? One, that he became very wealthy and he's so grateful. So he's embarrassed to rebel against Hashem and being ungrateful after all the good he did for him, right? Just found him a great wife, just gave him a great twins, just made him uh, successful, just made him get safe from jail. Everyone with his own miracles. To go and ignore Hashem, and to still stay Mechalel Shabbat and eat non-kosher food, it bothers him very much. How can I be so ungrateful? So now, because you found something good, and makes you more religious. And at the same time, Chas Shalom when you got a real punch to your life, you just lost all your money, or you just went to jail, or all kinds of things like that, that's also a great wake up. So either way, some people wealth will make them closer to Hashem. Some people wealth will make them go far away from the religion. That's it. He has enough money, he doesn't need Hashem, doesn't need Kenisa, doesn't need anything. Happy. I'm confident. Most people religious because they're afraid what Hashem will do when he sees they go against him. Most people in their prayers are asking for one major thing. Who knows what it is? Money. How do I know? Every time I have guests in my house, when we do Motzei Shabbat avdala and I say, Share Share Beracha, Share Gila, Share everyone goes like this Amen, Amen, Amen. When I get Shahre tova Amen. Then you know what they're praying all day when they say Shome business, this, that. If he's single, he pray for a woman or men. If he's shalom sick, then he has one major problem, so he's focused on his problem. But if he's okay, married children, as par, you know, parnasa, everything is good by him. What is he still focusing on? Parnasa? Even if he's a billionaire. That's the major thing. A lot of people are religious because of Parnasa. And by the way, it's written in the Torah. It's written in the Torah that Hashem is going to give us man every day to test us. So meaning Parnasa is a way that Hashem tests the people how they behave when they get it so let's see וaya כי אבו עלך את כל הדברים האלה בברכה ואת כל אלה אשר נתתי לפניך והתשובות ללבך בחול העוים אשר ידיחחא אֱלֹהֵי לֹא קָחָשׁ אָמַר I was scattered you all over the nations you you live in exile when all these problems will come to you while you live there right push it into your heart push what Return all the way to your God and listen to Him. As I instruct you today, you and your children, with all your heart and all your soul. And as a result of that, Hashem will gather you back from exile. And will have mercy on you. And go and gather you from all the nation as he scattered you there. Right? Even if you be isolated on the edge of the world, from there your God will collect you. And bring you into the land of your fathers. And you will inherit it. And he will benefit you. And he will multiply you even greater than your fathers. And he will circumcise your heart and your evil inclination, to make you a lover of Hashem with all your heart and all your soul, that you should leave. What do you mean I should leave? I lived four years great before that. Chalal Shabbat, don't leave. The Goyim, don't leave. The Hamas, don't leave. Did you see what mentions the the? the Israeli army blowed up in, in Gaza. In Beverly Hills, you don't find houses like this. <laughs> they get hundreds of millions of dollars from the stupid Europeans. What do you think they do? They give it to the Palestinians on the street. It only goes to the pocket, all these corrupted murderers. Finally, for the first time, the Israeli got brave enough to blow up their own mansions there. One after the other with lakes and pools in the middle of Gehenom, you don't find places like this in the most precious neighborhoods in america barely that's how they live, these mass murderers they blow them up, up, all of them so what do you mean that you should live? obviously not in this world this world the dog also lives so what? he eats and have a female and enjoy the water and swim and run after the ball which most people dream to do what he has for free, the monkey that you should live after all of these, meaning for life of eternity, every time the Torah uses the word it means life of eternity, not life of a body. The body dies from the minute you're born. Soon as a baby comes to the world, time is ticking. If you had 80 years, 80 minus a second, two, three, keeps going lower, lower, lower. Problems with us, we don't know how long we have. Hashem hides it from a person not to in order for him not to, not to lose his free will. So the Torah says, if you're going to suffer, if you live in exile, if shalom v'shalom these curses come on you, don't be upset. It's a blessing. Why? Because the main goal is to be attached to Hashem. <laughs> the goal is to be la- 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 ades. go to Israel, to the Western world. Five in the morning, see how he pray all day. How he cries all day. How he talks to Hashem all day. Come to Monsey. There is a Hasid like this. Rav Mordechai Steiner. After you see him, how he prays, believe me, it will change your whole life. You, you would look at life completely different. People who reach the highest level of holiness in our days. Rav Dov from Tveria and there's a lot of hidden ones. People can reach very high level, even in such a dirty world that we live in. World with no modesty, with corruption, with lack of emunah, with all kinds of racism. People isolated themselves from all the bad and reached very high level. But you should know you can never ever elevate your spirituality without Torah. Never. Even if you're naturally a good pers- person, a good mensch, good Persian angel, heart of gold, likes to help, doesn't like to uh, uh, hurt anyone, respect Hashem, love rabbis, love Torah, doesn't matter, it's not enough. If you do not put your entire life in Torah, you fall in a category of insulting my Torah. Oy shel Torah. The Torah is neglected in a corner and nobody comes and grab it. Put diamonds in a corner, people will kill each other to push, to grab. Put food. You know what happened in the weddings when they bring the, the dessert? 500 people like magnet to the wall. Why? God forbid they'll miss a bite of ice cream. Say. In the middle of the wedding, everybody danced, Persian music, wow, they brought a special guy from Los Angeles with his band. Everybody with his show, wow, great, delicious sushi. Then an annoying rabbi came out, Rabotai, I'm giving a shiur half an hour in the other room. If we will get two people from 500, should win the Nobel Prize. <laughs> How many people will give up the sushi and run to, the, to hear the words of Hashem? Or the delicious Gandhi? This is criticism for all of us, including myself. What's the proof? On Shabbat, once we eat the chulent or the heavy meal, Shabbat morning, 99% of us begin to snore while we're still eating. <laughs> Forget when we move to the couch. So if we saw that it happened to us 500 times in a row, why we eat Why? Because we love our stomach and the two minutes of pleasure more than we love Hashem. Right, wrong. Because if you know this Shulet makes you fall asleep and lose three hours of learning on Shabbat, and see it and enjoy and learn, and as soon as you finish it, you, cannot, you don't remember what day it is. By mistake, you turn the light on. Sorry, I was half asleep. Why? The more you eat, the more blood goes into the stomach to break the food. It's an emergency situation in the stomach. It needs help. All all police cars should go There's a problem now. Everybody goes to that problem. Same thing, the blood goes to the stomach and the head becomes heavy. Is not enough oxygen in blood? So immediately you fall asleep. So what's the Tzadikim, the real Tzadikim do? Eat a few bites. One ounce of bread. mamash very little. A little bit meat for Onik for Shabbat. That's it. Eat so much. 500 salads. This and that. Leave me alone. Very little. Run right away to the Gemara. Comes with his son. Come, let's learn. I know people like this they eat very little. Why? Because I know it makes them heavy. Some boys in yeshiva don't eat lunch. I know it's going to make them numb until the evening. They eat in the morning, and the rest they eat at night, that's it. Why? I'm going to fall asleep. I give up the delicious lunch. I give it up. Why? It makes me lose hours of Torah. But remember what I'm telling you It's not being extreme like some of you may think. Man, on, Rabbi, you, you're talking to us like we're Shiva. shiva. That's an obligation to every Jew that sits here. Every one of us has an obligation to learn Torah, the more the better. Why? Because when you know that you make 60,000 mitzvot in an hour and you don't grab the Torah, it means you don't believe in me even a bit. Because if I would give you now $60,000 check, right? 60000 check and you throw it to the garbage, you're not even happy, you're not even happy, then what does it show about you? That you did not believe me even 1% that this check is good. Because if there was 1% chance that this check will be good, you'll be dancing on the way home. Just for the 1%. And if it's 10%, even more. And if it's 50%, you will be very excited. You would check 20 times on your phone if the check clear. But if I give you Torah and you throw it, what does it show about you? You don't believe what Hashem promised, that the Torah, limut Torah, can negate kulam. Now remember, learning Torah, it's not only the huge reward. You cannot progress in life without learning Torah. You cannot be a good husband. You cannot be a good father. You cannot stop being jealous. You cannot control your anger. You live miserable all the time because you always worry what's going to be tomorrow with my bills. Because you don't have emunah, because you don't learn Torah. You can't see somebody happy because you don't have what he has. All of these sicknesses come from not taking the daily antibiotic, which is the Torah. The Torah is an antibiotic. It kills all the negative things. It kills jealousy. It kills anger. It kills stinginess. Try it, make your husband learn two, three hours Torah and then come say, Moshe, we have, uh, we have to pay the plumber. Before that, how much? 200 dollars, what? What happened? The boiler broke. After he learned two, three hours Torah, it's only the boiler. It happens to me once. It happened to me once, right here in Queens. I started to speak uh, in English. Actually, I gave a few lectures in Aavat because I was replacing one rabbi that sometimes he couldn't go there, but I wasn't an official. I wasn't an official speaker in English yet. But the, the first official lecture I gave in English was in Ornatan. Before, they got this huge monster synagogue now. Baruch Hashem, a big place. It was smaller than this synagogue. And I went there, I was going on a weekly basis. It started once, then Baruch Hashem went every week. For a few years I was speaking there every week. And uh, one time, the owner of the place, the head of that organization, he had a rule. No one can come and collect money in the middle of the lecture. People used to come in, go to people in the middle of the lecture, distract people, wants the lecture. You want to collect money? I have no problem. Stand outside by the door. People walk in. They give you money. People go out. They give you money. Not inside. Perfectly fair. One time, he walks in with a rabbi, black hat, long frock, with a bag in his hand. He walks with him into my lecture. In the middle of the lecture, he comes to my ear and whisper in Hebrew. That's an exception to the rule. It's an emergency. This rabbi does not speak a word in English. He's very shy. He doesn't know anyone here. He's already here two weeks. He did not even cover the cost of the ticket. I had to help him. Please explain to the people that he has a call in Yerushalayim and he has 10 days to raise $20,000 And if not, the kolel will go bankrupt and shut down. What they did not know, that an hour before they showed up, Hashem twisted my mind from the topic that I wanted to talk about to charity and the importance of supporting people that learn Torah and becoming their partner in a mitzvah. For one hour, I was cooking the brains of all the people over there. And that's, now I realize why. They walked in. I say to the people over there, we have an emergency here. As you know, nobody ever came here to collect in the middle of a lecture. But that's a real emergency. There's Yeshiva Chaz Shalom in a jeopardy of closing down. It's a big tragedy. Place of Torah to shut down. And this rabbi doesn't speak English. And we have to help him out. Please, give generously. <laughs> now, one Georgian guy, you know, Georgians are the most generous people on earth. Gruzinim. They have a heart from here to Los Angeles. That's how wide it is. Right away, one Georgian guy say, four thousand. Now remember the rabbi does not know one word in English. He learned throughout his life, not English in Israel. He doesn't know what's going on. One, these Georgians say four thousand. There was silent. The Georgians, so nobody says anything. He say 4,000 for my parents. Same guy. <laughs> nobody said anything. 4,000 for my sister and her husband. I'm standing there. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to understand what's going on over here. Usually you count this, 101, 52, 108. Wow, is a Sadik, 180. The guy next to him, he saw his friend three times, 4,000, he said, 4,000 for me and my wife. We had 16 now. One Persian guy was sitting right next to them from Union Turnpike. No, 1,000. <laughs> we are in 17. And I, I remember this was 15, 18 years ago. I remember it like it was a minute ago. I even remember the faces of the people in the amounts. Another guy says 360, 180, da, da, da. 60 seconds. Twenty thousand dollars. Sixty seconds. I said to him in Hebrew, "Mazel tov kvod "Call <laughs> you need? You got." <laughs> he looked at me like this. "Ma?" "That's it. You got twenty thousand dollars. No bemet. met <laughs> Imagine two weeks. He walks. People give him fifty, twenty. <laughs> he didn't pay the airfare." I say, "Yes." You had to see what happened over there. Everybody took pictures with him. Why? They became all of a sudden so generous. It's the power of the Torah. I'm sure when they went to sleep at home two hours later, why? They pulled their hair off. Not only that, one of them even told me. You know, I did not sleep a week after that. That's the power of the Torah. Torah. The power of the Torah, it kills the Yetzirah. It kills it. You know, you can see with your children. You have to beg them to sit and learn. So you promise them some prize. For that prize, they agree. Once they see it, you see the light in their face for an hour and two. You, all you have to do is to get them to start. Two minutes later, that's it. They're in it already. Why? The satan, all he has to do is to convince you not to press play. Not to show up tonight. Some of you think, let's, one girl asked before we started if she can zoom the lecture live. I so said, you don't need, we have it live on YouTube. This YouTube live, it makes, makes a lot of people wants want to actually come to the lecture, not come. Because they get lazy. Why should I come drive all the way, look for parking, this that? I sit, I sit in my bedroom, lay like this, like King Hashverosh, and watch the lecture. Oh, oh, I can watch the repeat. Oh, I can watch 20 minutes now. Go eat some watermelon, come back, watch another half an hour. What's the rush, right? Smart or no? Very foolish. Why? Tell you why. Every one of you here tonight that will hear two hours of Torah, how many mitzvot you make? How much how much how many mitzvot you make in one hour of learning? Khafetzhaim did the calculation, he came to sixty thousand mitzvot. An average person can say in one minute He can say each word in Hebrew, in the Shona Kodesh, approximately five letters, average. person can say 200 words per minute. So it's a thousand mitzvot per minute. Every letter that you say of Torah, it's mitzvah by itself. Just like putting tefillin. You put tefillin, it's two mitzvot. Tefillin shel yad, tefillin shel rosh, two mitzvot. Talit in the morning, three mitzvot. Three mitzvot. The whole prayer, one hour, another mitzvah, four Four mitzvot. Then you sit, you eat bread. You do birkat hamazon. Five mitzvot. You put money in a tzedakah box of the yeshiva. Six mitzvot. Six mitzvot. That's it. And he's so excited. Wow, I'm such a tzaddik. One minute Torah, one thousand mitzvot. One hour, 60,000 mitzvot. Two hours tonight, 120,000 mitzvot. The person that sits now home and watch on YouTube makes the same amount of mitzvot. He hears the same lecture like you hear, in his dreams. <laughs> in his dreams. I'll tell you why. You make, you make, tonight, he makes 120,000 mitzvot by watching the lecture live on YouTube. Yes. You make hundred and twenty thousand mitzvot, multiply by a hundred thousand. You make a hundred thousand more mitzvot than him. The one who sits here uh, five minutes driving away from here and watch us live at home on his computer. How? I tell you how. Every lecture eventually get to a hundred thousand views. Over a year or two, let's say, it will get to over 100,000. It goes on many channels, on many YouTube channels, on many Facebook pages, on WhatsApp groups. It goes everywhere. So if 100,000 mitzvot, if nobody would show up tonight, it would be me and the rabbi drinking Persian tea. I show up, what happened, rabbi? Nobody came. Why? Because everyone was counting on a live broadcast. So there would not be a lecture. I would turn around and go off. Right? would not talk to the, to the chandelier. So nobody came, Baruch Hashem, talk, let me go back home. So everyone that came became the reason why there is lecture tonight. And the Gemara say, Gadol If you make somebody else commit a mitzvah, your reward is greater than him so you became all of you a partner in creating the lecture not only the people who sponsor the food or the people that sponsor this synagogue or the people that pay all the other expenses around which they also have a share you actually the reason why tonight there is a lecture each one of you is a partner so you're getting a reward for the hundred thousand views that will be on a lecture not just for yourself for everyone that will watch it. Imagine the people that live in Queens every Monday when I speak there in Fresh Meadow, there's two blocks away, and I know a few of them. They told me, Rabbi, don't worry, even though I'm very close, I never miss a lecture. In my mind, I say, Chaval, you watch a hundred thousand lectures will be equal to come to one personally. That's the status. The more people will watch it, the more reward the people that came here tonight will get. So imagine if you come two times a week, eight times a month, multiply by two hours, multiply by 100,000 views, in Olamaba, you're going to be next to Rashbi and Rabbi Akiva. So, wow, I created more Torah than you. Ma, huh? Who are you? Look at you with your Blorit. You created more Torah than me. I'm Rabbi Akiva ben Yosef. Rabbi Akiva, with facts you don't argue. <laughs> yes. No joke. That's why it's written that in the next world someone who married the public to do mitzvot and to learn Torah, it's called Zikuya rabbim. They have a special section in heaven. However, Learning Torah affects the whole nation of Israel and the world. So by learning Torah, you also become a Zaki Arabim. That's what the Chazonish told the people that say, so maybe at night, we'll go and give lectures. The Chazonish say, you don't need to sit and learn here. The people that go and give lectures will be successful, thanks to your Torah. Why? and he proved it to them in the year that they learned Shemitah 20 times more farmers kept without convincing anyone, a big miracle such a huge jump he said the only reason that they had the power to overcome their desire not to keep it was because we learned that subject the entire year about Shvit and Shemitah this they get all the
1: they get the merit
0: for all the farmers, of course. So, Rabbi now you're beginning to look at the Torah, I hope, a little bit different than until now. When you understand that the Torah, like the word of the Kadosh, if people will know the value of the Torah, they will run after that like crazy, like crazy, like they run after the life. Why is it? If you know the value of what you got, you enjoy it and you run after it and you keep it and you watch over it. It's your entire life. But if you don't know, somebody gave you something that looked 10 carat diamond and you, you thought it's cubic zirconia. How much it worth? 20 bucks? So you throw it in the drawer. For two or three years it's like this in the drawer with all the garbage in the drawer you have over there. One time uh, your uncle which is a specialist in diamond opened the drawer looked at that picked it up he took out his magnified glass wow that's 20 million dollar diamond Moshe what's this over here eh, someone gave it to me i don't know you want to take it you fool you're the richest guy in the neighborhood and you lo- lo- live like a homeless look at your car falling apart Twenty million dollars in a drawer for three years. What will he do to himself? He himself like crazy for weeks. How much I suffer three years for nothing, and I had this all alone in my drawer. That's what a person will do to himself when he had books on a shelf, and lectures in his car, and he did not listen non-stop. When he comes to Hashem, look what you miss. Look how many mitzvot you missed. Look how much reward you missed. And again, the reward is one thing. When you don't learn Torah, you make sins, non stop sins, and sins have payments, consequences. You gotta pay for sins. Can't get away with that unless you do tshuva. It's not easy to do tshuva, you have to put a lot of efforts to do tshuva. So, why creating a problem, meaning making a scene, in order for us later to go and fix? Don't create sins, don't make sins. And the only way not to make sins rabotai is to be connected to Torah. So, speaking about our situation, why did I say that what happens to us right now with the Arab is actually the greatest thing? Let me clarify it. In the book of Daniel Yudbet, Daniel was a prophet, the Chachamim, in the Gemara, say who deserve to be the Mashiach. Who? They look around. They say, in our time, Rabbi Yehuda Nasi, Rabbi, is a perfect human being. First, he's the biggest Chacham in the Torah. He wrote the Mishnayot. Second, he's from the family of David, the So he can be Mashiach. Not every tzaddik can be Mashiach. He have to be from a family of King David. Third is the richest guy in Israel. So you see that Hashem is not angry at him even a bit. Sometimes a poor person is poor because Hashem is angry at him. Maybe from things he did in his past life. Maybe it's his tikkun. There's no guarantee that Hashem is upset with him. Sometimes it's good for him to be poor. But when someone is very wealthy, wealth is a tool to to buy billions of mitzvot. So even if Hashem is upset with you, and even if you're not such a big tzaddik, the fact that you donate a lot of money to save souls and to support Torah, the fact that you have this tool in your hand which called money and power, if you use it correctly, you can buy billions of mitzvot doing nothing, just writing checks, or sending money on a quick pay, or what like, people donate today. So so Hashem gave you such a tool that you are barely religious person, barely shomer Shabbat, barely eat kosher, barely pray, but you have generous heart and you constantly give. You buy billions of mitzvot every year. It's no joke. A poor person doesn't have this tool. So how will he buy mitzvot? He has to convince others to give. His uncle, his friends, people that have money. Convince them to give. If he convinced them to give, it count like he gave. Gadola measey yoter You convince your rich uncle to give money for the yeshiva, and he gave them a nice check. It count in Shemaim. You also gave the check. He gets his full reward, and you will get your full reward. So Daniel, why, why did I tell you now about Rebi? The Chachamim say who deserve to be Mashiach. Unanimously, they agree, Rebi. Rabbi Udana his nickname was Rebi. And if he's not good enough, meaning every generation is less than the generation before. If he's not good enough, who deserves to be Mashiach from past generations? Areu kedaniel. Someone in the level of Daniel Navi, Not only a prophet, in such level that you put him by the lions that did not eat for days, and the lion bowed down to his feet and did not eat him. Something that never ever happened before. You know what happened if you starve a lion for three days and you throw a person inside? Before he reaches the ground, his legs will not reach the ground, they will be already swallowed alive. As soon as they see, they bring him down with a rope. He won't make it to the ground. They'll jump at him in the air. They did not touch him. They go in. That's how they used to kill people. Starve the lions and put them in. So this is Daniel. Let's see what he writes. Daniel, you'd bet first one. Who is Michael? Michael, Tsar Israel, The minister of the Jewish nation in Shamaim. The, the defense attorney of the Jewish nation. That's his job. Mikhail, Tsar Israel. When people give 101 in a synagogue, 101, that's numeric value. Michael, after him. That's a reason why it's 101. So, Amod Michael the great minister. Al that is in charge of the nation of Israel. Michael Vaita a prophecy to our days. It's talking about our days now and the days to come. And it will be a time of trouble. Asher or Goya Daetai. That trouble like this we did not reach yet. But there will be a great salvation. All animtzah katuv ba Everyone who will be written in a book of life of Hashem. Uvaetai malat amcha. All animtzah katuv ba-sefer. Everyone that is written in a book of Hashem to get saved will all get saved. And then what? VeRabim miyeshenei afar yakitzu. After the arrival of the Mashiach. All the righteous people will come out of the grave after hundreds or thousands of years that they're dead. They will come back to life. Hashem will take their skeleton, they will grow ligaments and skin and flesh and all and meat, all these things. That, and all of a sudden, people will come out and come back to life. But not everyone. You have to be Shomer Shabbat to get up. You cannot charge interest from other Jews. You have to eat kosher. You have to be an honest person. You cannot be a crook, owe money to people, take money and don't pay back. You have to be a decent person and keep mitzvot. If you're a woman, you must be modest, must be modest, no tight pants, none of this. Woman that has no modest issues is in a very high risk to lose everything, chas v'shalom. Because Hashem never ever compromise on a modesty. Modesty is the number one most important thing to Hashem. Your place where you live must remain holy. As soon as I come and I see legs, sleeves, sleeveless, all kinds of cleavage, all kinds of things like that, immediately I run away from there. I have no entry to a place that the women dress not modesty. It's a verse in a Torah. You are not in an explanation of rabbis. Just read it in Hebrew, in English, in Farsi, any language you understand. Read. As soon as I see lack of modesty, I run away. doesn't matter even if it's your own chupa, that your wife to be came to the wedding, not dressed. I cannot come to the wedding. I cannot enter the place. It's rule. Rule. Just like they don't let you enter a place without a mask. Put a mask. I don't want. Get out. Show us vaccine. You want to go into the restaurant in Israel? Show us vaccine. Tav Yarok. I forgot to bring it. You cannot come in. But I made reservation. Get lost. The security guard. You're wasting my time. Out. No entry. Same thing. Modesty. In the gemara, in Mashechet Sota, page two, the Gemara says, lo laadam zivug lefima asav." A person, a man, gets his soulmate according to his level, according to his actions. The Gemara says, la tzadik, prutsal la rasha." By women, it's very interesting. By men, you have tzaddik and you have rasha. You have righteous and you have wicked. That's men. You think that by a woman it has to be the same thing. Tzaddiket, reshait. There's no such thing by women. By women, one thing decides if she's righteous or wicked. Modesty. If she dresses modest, skirts, dresses, everything always covered. She's righteous right away, because 90% she has in her end already. She keeps Shabbat. She dresses modest, she's already in the 90% level. She doesn't keep modesty. she fell. She cannot pass. Very serious, Rabotai, you should know the truth. I'm saying it to you out of love, not chas Shalom, that I want everyone to feel bad. But if I won't <coughs> tell you the truth, you're going to live in illusion all your life. And then you come in front of her, you're going to have a serious problem. Why not fixing it now? Now it's easy. You buy some mother's clothes, classy, nice, like the Queen Elizabeth, and you dress nice. You never saw her wearing uh, mini skirts or anything like that, right? She's a queen, she understands that. But she's a Goya. Without Torah, they understand it. Also, a very important president, politician, uh, the Chancellor of Germany. Did you ever see her coming with short sleeves or everything open or, or her legs are out? Of course, now. Why? She understands. She's representing a country. A woman knows very well that to dress not modest is horrible. She can't fight her evil inclination. It's not that she thinks it's a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah. What's the mitzvah? She gets attention everywhere she goes. What an attention. So the Gemara say, tsnuah, modest woman to the righteous, perutza mean, the opposite of modest, to the wicked. There's no wicked and righteous by women. There's and perutza. That's it. Scary. This is a divine language. So going back to the words of Daniel, many will rise, will resurrect. Many. Ele, some they rise to. This is a prophecy from the Tanakh. In the Tanakh, Book of Daniel, some to life of eternity, some for eternity of agony. Lo alenu. Depend who you are. You Tzadik, or chesed shalom. You betrayeded Hashem. You chachamovad Yosef, or you are Bernie Sanders. You brought it on yourself. Yesterday, a missile hits the Rot. This is the city who gets more missiles than anyone. Poor guys, all the missiles fall on the Red. Poor guys. One missile hit directly in a house, knocked down the entire wall, destroyed the kitchen and the living room. Serious missiles they shoot. Explodes inside your house. Everything in the house got destroyed. One picture of Ravovadi Yosef was on one that wall. One picture of the Babasali was on the other wall. The wall is destroyed. The picture did not move an inch. I have it on video. The lefty reporter on Channel 13 in Israel, which there's nothing they hate more than Torah, I promise you. Look what they broadcast every day everything against religion and Torah. He said to the lefty woman in the studio, you need I don't know how to explain that. This whole house is destroyed completely, besides the picture on the wall behind me that somehow did not move, a picture of Rav Yosef. There was another picture of Baba Zali, from a different angle. The pictures did not move an inch. The whole house is destroyed, Rabotai. Not one thing left. In Israel, they don't build like here, shit It's massive bricks. The whole walls are bricks. If it would be in America, the whole building will fall from a racket like this. It's all wood and shit In Israel, it's solid cement inside. Very heavy ones. That's how they build the buildings. It knocked down everything. The two pictures did not move from the wall. Everything is destroyed. You have to see this video. Hashem is talking to us so clear. This reporter, if he had a little brain in his head, he would go home, watch his video, and think what's going on here. How is it possible that those two pictures did not get destroyed and did not even move an in inch? You have to see how straight they are. They didn't even move to the side. You have eyes, you have nose, you have ears, but you don't use it. You use it only for nonsense. So the Prophet continued. Some will rise for life of eternity, and some for eternity of agony. And the educated one, the knows Torah, will glow, will glow. You know, like the sun will glow. Like the sky, when the sun is right in the middle. ומצדיקי הרבים, and those who make other Jews become righteous, מצדיקי הרבים, make them tzadikim. מצדיקי הרבים, they will glow the higher, ותירבי and finally everyone will have divine understanding to the world, not the stupid understanding of the university, and the lefty opinions of all these haters of Hashem. Finally, people will see everything in clear eyes. What do you see over here? It's written that we're gonna be in a time of trouble before this has happened that never happened before. And the Gemara said the fifth exile is the Galut Ishmael, the Arabs, and they are the cruelest, even more than the Nazis. And I always give this example, how, to, how you can prove that the Arab hates us more than the Nazis. How? After all, you can ask me, but the Nazis kill a lot more Jews than the Arabs throughout history. The Nazis, yes, they want to kill all Jews. That was the plan. If they could, they would kill all Jews. In the end, they killed about a third of them. But if they could, another year or two, they would finish the job. They'll go to the Arab countries, to Iran, to all these places. That was the plan. They're already on the way to Egypt. So the, the Nazis, there's no question about the fact that they want to kill all of us. And the same thing, the Arabs. And again, I know you're going to tell me, no, but not all Arabs are like that. Not, you're right, not all Germans were like that also. There's always an exception to the rule. There's some righteous Gentiles. Not everyone is an evil monster. There's a lot of righteous goyim. They love Hashem and some of them even love the Jewish people because they read in their own uh, church or whatever, or in a mosque, that the Jews are the chosen people, the children of Hashem. So they love the Jews. Of course, those are good going. We're not talking about them. uh, They're heaven and they're going to have very great reward for what they're doing. We're not talking about them. We're talking about those who actually murdered or were happy when we were being butchered. So how do you know that this Hamas or Hezbollah or other uh, Muslim that hates Jews so much that they hate us more than the Nazis? Very simple. If you come to the Nazi and say to, you, to him, I will allow you to murder 100,000 Jews in one condition, that we chop your hand off, you will be left with one hand. Are you willing to sacrifice your hand to kill 100,000 Jews? He would say no. Don't touch my hand. So that's the only way I can kill them. Here, you can press this button, a hundred thousand of them will be gassed. But we first chop your hand off. How many Nazis will agree to that? Probably not even one in the entire country. You come to the Arab, Hussein, Mustafa, Said, Mahmoud, all of these jewels from the Hamas. And you say to him. I'm going to allow you to press this button and kill a 100,000 Israelis. But we have to chop your hand off. (laughs) Only my hand? (laughs) I want to jump into the fire also. Allah, Akbar! Jump into the fire. No way! Take my 10 sons with me. I want all of them to be shahids. They're willing to butcher four of them to kill one Jew. Every one of them who hit Jews in a... Soldiers in a bus stop, they already know that they're going to be shot to death, because everybody's there is with rifles. So he's going to hit one or two kill, and he's going to die for sure. It's guaranteed death. And they still do it. Not only one of them, they actually shot him, and he got up again. Shot him again. Got up again. Shot him again. You had to see this video maybe 10 times they shoot him and he still get up to try to kill another one on the way that's hatred that never been in the history of the world that's what the gemara said 2000 years ago when the arabs did not have one state they lived in a desert bedouin the zohar said they will control the world before mashiach would come and they'll give us hard times how long the torture with them will take Nine months. Nine months. Why nine months? Why Hashem chose that number? One. Like a pregnancy of a woman. Pregnancy of a woman is nine months of suffering. First, she's sick, vomits, all these things. Then it's get hot, heavy, her back hurts, she can't climb the stairs, yeah, all day like this. Then, then, the last week, she barely, by now, moves, and then the contractions begin. Every five minutes, every four, every three, every two, every one, every twenty seconds. Ah, screaming, cursing her husband. Get out of here! And then the baby comes out, and the smile comes, and everybody's happy. So. The closer we are getting to the happy moment, the harder it gets. It's called, Chavlei Leda. Chevlei Mashiach. Same thing. Chavlei Leda. Chevlei Mashiach. And we are now, when the contractions begin. Every how often is, uh, she gets, uh, I don't know yet. Maybe now we reach the top, maybe there's chas v'shalom more to come, but it's moment before the end. What do we have to do? Strengthen ourselves with the Muna, with Torah, with modesty, with mikveh, with changing the atmosphere in our house, getting rid of this lousy, rotten TV that all day spreads the hara and left the agenda and betray the creator of the world and non stop heresy and horrible lack of modesty and dirty language and so much evil in your living room with this horrible filthy machine called TV. Get rid of it. Get rid of the not filter internet. If you need it for work, make sure the kids don't have access to this filth. A person can lose his eternity in one hour in that internet. Shalom, destroy the soul, destroy holiness, destroy the holiness. There was someone that I know had a son. Tap in yeshiva, tap. Somehow he, someone showed him something in the internet. You have to see how he is now. Doesn't does not come out of bed from morning to night, all day attached to this filthy machine, nonstop. It's not cover, not filter. That's it. The Satan took him over. Every yeshiva threw him out. He was in a top yeshiva, went to not such good one. Now he went to yeshiva of bombs, drug addicts, people who barely do anything. He can't walk, cannot learn. Walking around in the streets, nobody knows where he is. Only 17 years old. One hour in the internet. This is the results of it. And some of you let your children be in there from morning to night. You don't know what damage you made them already. Not to talk about what's gonna happen when they get married and with their wives and their family. That's why almost nobody can stay married today. Half of the people around came to me and complained that they have anxiety attack and panic attack and depression and fear. Why is it? Why when I was a kid almost nobody had panic attack? I never heard that expression, et When I was a kid, no one around me in Israel had et kef harada. Nobody. I won. And now 50% of the people shaking, fearing, all kinds of things like that. You see what happens when you don't come in person? His, his phone always mess up. Always. Every time it stops in the middle of a lecture. Baruch Hashem, Hashem. That's Hashem's message to the people who watch, they will shut in the middle. So, how come so many people live at Kefe Harada? Did you ask yourself how come? The answer is, they watch so many movies with shooting, and chopping heads, and killing, and boom, and explosion, and terrorism, and uh, machine guns, and planes are crashed. The brain does not know to tell the difference between reality and fiction. The brain doesn't know. The brain is a computer. It's a robot. It has sensor. When you see tragedy, when you see an attack, when you see an, a murder attempt, for the brain is real. The brain constantly absorbing tragedies in a rate that should be in seven years, in 70 seconds. What you're supposed to see in 70 years, you see now in a minute, the brain is not ready for it. So the brain is going to panic mode. Panic mode. And begin to mess up. Why there are so many gays today? When I was a kid, there was one in 400 kids in school. And the kids tortured him from morning to night. Nobody could stand the fact that there's something like this in society. And today, every school you go, half of the kids are like this. Why? Same thing, televisions. Mass brainwash, massive brainwash all the time, pushing it everywhere, in commercial, in advertisement, in movies, in news, on the streets, in schools. The brain does not know. you feeding the computer with wrong information against the rules of the creator of the world. And it mess up the world, it destroys the world. Destroyed marriage, destroyed honesty, Destroyed integrity. Almost every other person is in depression or in panic attack. Nobody knows to raise children anymore. And then people wonder why we suffer so much. At least, at least, if we accept the suffering with understanding and no complaints, at least that's what will save us. That's in the end what will save us. And mamash before I finish, When we pray, when we pray to Hashem, we have to do it every day. We have a rule. You should know it. Some people say, Rabbi, I pray, 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 and nothing happened." I have a problem. Three years I pray. Morning, afternoon, evening. Mincha, Arvit, Shachrit, every day. And Hashem does not fix my problem. Three years. That's it. I had it. I don't. I'm not praying anymore. I pray once. It's enough. Once. Once a week. Twice a week. It's enough. I only come on Shabbat to synagogue. That's it. Enough. Enough. Anyway, it doesn't help. In reality, he's not lying. He's really praying three years for the problem to go, and the problem is there. Sometimes got even worse. It's not lying. It's not looking for excuses. He really was hoping that after three years Hashem will take away his problem. So, his reaction, since three years or four or five years Hashem did not obey my request, that's it, I'm not praying anymore. Good decision, bad decision, smart decision, stupid decision, what do you think? stupid, only one more prayer, and you're getting it. First of all, it's the dumbest decision you can make for one simple reason. Even if you pray about something all your life, and you never got it, just speaking to Hashem about it, you're going to get a huge reward for every time you spoke to Hashem. Because it's a Muna, I'm counting on you, I'm referring to you, I'm coming to you. So right away you get a huge reward. What? For... Your kindness on us, Hashem, should be like we are hoping for it. The more we hope for it, the more help us. That's in Tehillim. We say it every day when we pray. So first of all, you get a huge reward by talking to Hashem. The more Tehillim you read, the more reward you get. The more times you're praying, the more an hour, two, three hours. The Gemara Levi, Adam kol even you pray all day, you're going to get a huge reward for that. Even if what you're asking from Hashem, you're not always getting. But, there is a great but here. Every time you pray, for sure, make an impression. There is an improvement to the situation. You don't see it. How do we know? Moshe Rabbeinu, Hashem got angry at him for healing the rock. Everybody laughed. It was one minute Chilul Hashem. Chilul Hashem, it's horrible. He got punished that he will not enter Israel. Even and Aaron. Aaron passed in the desert. Moshe is standing and watching Israel. He watched all the generations to come, include the rockets the Hamas shoot today, shot today. Everything is so. And Moshe begged Hashem, let me enter Israel. No, you cannot enter. Why? Because you did not sanctify me in front of all these wicked Reshaim. And you made Chilul Hashem, you cannot enter Israel. Moshe Rabbeinu begged Hashem 515 prayers. Not prayers like we pray, with the mind that is in a business or in a stupid game that is coming. Prayers that the angels were shaking. The Midrash said, and Malachim, he was shaking the heavens with his prayers. Moshe Rabbeinu Elokim. The man of God, the Torah is named after him. The Torah said that Moshe is the most humble person who would ever live in the history of the world. No one was like him. And he's the master of all prophets. He's one of the 13 principles of the Torah. Mm -hmm. And imagine when he pray, the power of his prayers, 515 prayers, until the angels say to Hashem, it's impossible to resist his request. He's gonna destroy all the upper worlds. And Hashem had to interfere. And he came to Moshe Rabbeinu and he said, enough. Stop praying. Rav lach, you okay? You have enough reward in the next world, more than you can imagine. Moshe was begging, let me enter Israel even one week, that I can keep the mitzvot that you can only keep in holy land. You cannot keep them in the desert, it's out of Israel. Give me one week at least, and then take me. Make me a cow that people will slaughter me and eat my meat on the Shabbos table. Make me a bird that fly and land in Israel for a few seconds. All kinds of ideas he had. No, 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 no. 515 times. That's when Hashem came and actually shut his mouth. Black is now said, Rav lach, al tosef elai said, don't dare to say another word about it. Why? What do you care? The more I talk about it, the more reward I make. It's mitzvah. You never prevent a Jew from making a mitzvah. There's nothing you are happy about more than a Jew praying. Even if you're not willing to give him what he wants. The actual praying is a huge mitzvah. Will Hashem prevent a Jew from making a mitzvah? Is he Bernie Sanders? That's his dream, Bernie Sander, to destroy the Torah and the Jews. But Hashem is like this, Shumer, all this rotten filth. But this is Hashem. There's nothing he wants more than his children connecting with him and praying. How can he come and block his mouth? The answer is one more prayer, and the decree would have to be cancelled. One more. Five hundred and sixteenth will change everything. So from here you see that every one of the 515 prayers made a progress. A little more. little more. little more. little more. Oh, you reached the 99.9 already. The next one, I will break the wall. That's life. Never give up. Pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. Oh, all of a sudden when it comes, it will rain on you. It will rain on you. I will finish with a story, one time I had a guy, he was 30 years old, he asked me to come to a place, a city somewhere, and to give a lot of lectures in that city. He said he's going to get a budget from a rich guy, he's going to buy some food for the guys, teenagers, bring them to lectures, and make them all Baalei Tshuva. He say, I would like you to be the one. No, what are we going to do? Don't worry, I will organize chairs. I will organize the food. <coughs> I get a few guys to help me. And uh, as a result of that, we're going to make a lot of lectures. I have a lot of people are all, already interested to host. <coughs> and we make a revolution in a community. And we did. We started to make almost every night a lecture, or every other night, but it was intensive, like four lectures a week at least. And it was a revolution, hundreds of boys and girls became Shomrei mitzvot, Shabbat, right, A revolution. Hundreds, many hundreds. And this guy was working with me for two and a half months. Maybe we made 60, 70 lectures in those two and a half months. And then, he met a girl, and he got engaged, and he got married, and all the Kiruf thing fell apart. Well, we did a lot. Could have done a few more months, but, but I remember his words. He told me, I went with 500 dates from age 20 to now, 500 girls. Either I did not want them or they did not want me. Do you know another person I went with? On, I say to him, Are you exaggerating? 500 days. No, no, I'm not exaggerating. At least 500 dates in 10 years. 50 dates a year. Popular guy, rich, rich family, nice car, you know. Learn Torah, has some skills. Not ugly. You may say, oh, 500 girls, nobody wanted him because he doesn't look good. No, no, looks okay, have wealth, smart, friendly. Decree on this guy, decree. 500 dates. All his friends married with children already. As soon as he started to make the revolution with me, boom, he got the girl and got married. I was wondering to myself, what happened over here? That Hashem saw, thanks to him, hundreds of kids, thanks to his idea, became baal Shuvah and he gave him a huge reward? Or the Satan actually say to Hashem, I, do, I am no longer object his marriage? Let him get married. Why? Let him be married and be busy with his wife loving each other, being together, as long as no more Baalei Tshuva will be clear. <laughs> Give him a wife! <laughs> That's why I say to a lot of people, you want to get what you want, be clever, fool the Satan. You're in a business? No customer comes in, try it. <laughs> right away, take him. three customers will walk in. Why? The Satan said, you know what, if this guy can sit now an hour and read the leaves, thousands of mitzvot. Let him make two, three hundred dollars. Worth it for me to sacrifice to make the mouth of the Jews stop saying prayer. And if you learn, <laughs> I once, before, <laughs> when I was still in business, I met an owner of a restaurant in Queens Boulevard. Even the flies would not visit his restaurant. <laughs> There were one Yemenite guy with a big newspaper and 500 cigarettes a day there. You know the type. The whole restaurant is smoke. And two twins that were living above, sitting there all day, speaking La HaRa, do nothing. You had to see the shawarma over there. You could break someone's head with that. It doesn't cut anything. Nobody comes in! Nobody! Now one Pitae says, unbelievable such thing. Besides the friends that sits there and drink coffee and eat a little bit, that's it. It's going crazy. I said to him, "You know, since you're not really busy, maybe I should make here at night a lecture. I also have a TV here, and back then it used to be video cassettes, the big ones, talking to 20 years ago. I have a few good, v- 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 from, from time to time, I'll bring a video of a great rabbi, inspiring. I'll put in Hebrew. We're going to bring some people, and we make a lecture here from 8 to 10 at night. Anyway, nobody comes in. The owner of the restaurant was Temani, not religious, but the Temanim have it in their blood, you know. In Yemen, you never had one Mechalel Shabbat in the history of the world. 2,600 years. More than a million Jews lived in Yemen. Now, one of them was ever Mechalel Shabbat. Every other country, there are plenty of Mechalel Shabbat. In Syria, almost nobody. But in Iran, you had Mechalel Shabbat, and in Bukhara, and in Ashkenazim, everywhere you went, you had Mechalel Shabbat. Maybe not everybody had the guts to do it in public, but people were Mechalel But in Yemen, never. Nobody was Chiloni in Yemen, nobody. Nobody. Unbelievable. So he he asked that from home. He's not an anti-Torah. So he said, you know what, since I'm paying the rent here anyway, you might as well make lectures. I started. I used to go there at night. More guys come. These two twins were popular, very nice looking twins. Israeli. They go, they have a lot of secular friends. They started to bring guys. And you know, when they sit in my lecture, they also order hummus (laughs) and food. It started to sell. (laughs) After a few lectures, the place was packed. People from outside saw that there is activity. They started to come in also. The place was packed. One time I was sitting with four guys, collectors from poker machines. Back then, Mayor Giuliani was the mayor. So there were, the Israelis used to make $60,000 a week from poker machine. They used to put poker machines in all kinds of delis, pizza shops. And people used to gamble in a poker machine, you know, 70-30. 30% 30 wins, 70% the owner takes. Until Mayor Giuniani cracked on all of them and destroyed their business. But there were four collectors over there who used to come now every night to eat. Because they came once to the lecture now i'm sitting with these four collectors convincing them to stop collecting on shabbat and he comes to me the owner of the restaurant (laughs) meaning i'm sorry brother i need the table look at the line outside (laughs) The Satan was willing to give this Temani 50 tables packed every night. The restaurant was open for two years. He did not make a penny there. Only losing, losing, going. How did I meet him? I was a representative of a bank. Over the phone, I would convince him that he should start taking credit cards, that it maybe it will help the business. Because he told me the business is very slow, and he said, well, hey, maybe people don't have cash. But when I went there, I said to myself, what credit card will help? There's no one customer over here. But he insisted. No, no, I would like to do it. The credit card did not bring him the business. Only the Torah. Then later on, he sold the restaurant and went to Israel, became a wealthy man. That's it, Rabotai. The Satan sometimes is willing to give you something big, to take you away from Torah and mitzvot. R- why I didn't come to the lecture? I went to a birthday party. Of whom? Of my cousin friend. For, for, the, for the friend of your cousin, you sold Hashem, two hours of Torah, 120,000 mitzvot. You wasted for stupid cake with few candles. Happy birthday to Moishi. For this, you lost 120,000 mitzvot. How stupid we could be. The Satan knows our limitation, fools us. No more. From now on, you wake up early, you come to the synagogue, you pray, you sit right away with the Rav, with the Shiur, in the morning after the Tefillah, no matter where you live. Shabbat, don't waste time, don't eat too much, don't fall asleep, take advantage on time. Make yourself a notebook, see? You have thousands of pages full of different Torah, ideas, You go to places, you speak the Torah in the tables. You get the Torah to become the main thing in your life. It's an obligation, it's not an advice. The Torah should be the main thing in your life, and everything else is secondary. Your businesses, your this, your that. It all comes second. First, the Torah. When you learn Torah, you shut the phone. Don't let it ring. Don't let it distract you. Don't worry. If Hashem wants to send you problems, He will send them when you're not learning. If you check the phone when you learn and you go outside to answer important phone calls, the Satan will make sure you get important phone calls every time when you learn. But if you shut your phone, you don't let the Satan in opening, don't worry. Whatever you have to worry about will come on the time you don't learn Torah. Guarantee. You have to prove that when I learn Torah, I am not in this world. I'm not in this planet. And the Torah is the main thing in my life. The main thing. That's what I want to do. When I'm in a car, six hours drive now. I drive to Montreal. How many hours? Six, seven hours, no? Six hours to get there, seven hours. Seven hours to come back, 14 hours in a car. How many mitzvot is that, no? 60,000 times 14, how much? Almost a million mitzvot. (laughs) You understand, Rabotai? What people would do when they drive to Montreal? What would they do listening to music? I wish it was kosher music at least. (laughs) So at least there's no punishment. No reward, but at least no punishment. Leitzhanut, all kinds of clowns, all kinds of lefty, all kinds of brainwash of the left non-stop on the news, all these wicked people, all they care about is to destroy the world, make everyone gay, make everyone an anti-God, anti-Torah, a communist, a socialist. That's what you hear on the radio. What do you hear? What do you hear in the media? Only kfirah, only heresy. Children go to university, it destroys their holiness, destroys them. They become infidels. So how can it be? I'm such a religious guy, my father, my grandfather. In Iran, and, uh, ten generations, we're all molahs, all rabbis. Look what my son became. Abba, I'm getting married to my boyfriend. We never had things like this in our family. That's the re- product of the universities of New York. All socialists, all wicked professors, one by one against Hashem. And that's what your children hear for four or five years, non-stop k'fira. Yeah, they may become doctors. Yeah, they may become an architect. Yes, yes, I know. But there is results for it. There is consequences. They may, chas v'shalom, lose their eternity for that. Are you willing are you willing to jeopardize the souls of your children, that they can make some money? I know a lot of kids that skip college and make fortune. Unbelievable, in real estate, in loans, in all kinds of things. Selling uh, pharmaceutical equipment, no, no education, barely. Some of them did not even finish 12, 12 years. I know tons of Israeli who came to America with no education and broken English, and they sold all kinds of products in the mall and make millions. When I went to Las Vegas, I gave a lecture at 11 p.m. until 2 a.m. in a house to about 30 Israeli boys and girls. When I came there, they have a big driveway over there. Every car there was $100,000 and up. Tesla, big BMW. I expected to see old people, very successful business people. I saw kids, 22, 23, 20. I asked the rabbi that took me there, what all these people do? They sell cosmetics, they sell this, they sell that. Making fortune. No education. I know so many educated people barely pay the rent. Doctors, dentists cannot pay for yeshiva. Rabbi, can you help me to find someone to help my kids tuition? What, well, you're a doctor, no? Yeah, how much do you think I make? I make 90,000, 30 of that goes to taxes. 60 is not enough. Can't live. Ten years he was in school, and plus he all the college. Who knows how much money? I know some Bukharian Uber drivers or Kafkazi make over a hundred thousand. Now not anymore. Uber is finished now with the Corona. But before Corona, they were making good money. Good money. No education. All day sits in a taxi, listen to lectures, put the lecture thirty hours of Divrei Torah while he's driving. Every hour he makes 60,000 mitzvot. And another hundred bucks. <laughs> we have to start looking at life from a different point of view. Don't be a robot that was fed by the rotten society, heretic society, that is all against God. Start looking at life from the Torah point of view. From the words of Chazal in Gemara, From the words of the Rambam from the words of the Ramchal, from the words of the Gaon Mivilna, from the words of the chief rabbis of our days, Rav Yashiv, Rav Ovadia, Rav Ben-Zion, Abba Shaul. The more you will connect with these holy people, the better your eternity will be. Thank you very much, Rabbi, for organizing tonight's lecture. I brought CDs here. Please grab as much as you can. And for the women and for the men. And please, Download my app, Rabbi Yosef Mizrahi, not the divine information, that's the old app. I have a new app, Blue with Star David, Rabbi Yosef Mizrahi on App Store of Apple and Android. Download it, you have plenty of things, you can also do times two speed, you can download the the lecture, you can share directly from the app, and soon we're going to have live broadcast on the app also. We won't need YouTube and Facebook. Directly from the app you'll be able to watch live but again it's not recommended <laughs> better to show up in person thank you very much everyone good night yeah. laylatot